Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the five moments of need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology. So, friend, question one. Uh, give us your background role and responsibility so we can level set for those who haven't met you for the first time and have the context of your journey, and then we'll get deeper into workflow learning. Yeah, so my background, I got a master's degree in communication, and I started my career actually in a in a small company, consultancy company focused on user experience, hmm. but more than 20 years ago. So that means that at that time, no one knew what user experience was about. We <laughs> talked about usability, um, mm. human factors, user interfaces, usability design. I mean, that was sort of the, the, sure. the labels, what we now call today user experience. But what I liked a lot, let's say, is there being the bridge between the technology, the IT guys, and the end users Yeah, mm. in, in designing technology at large and did that in all sorts of companies biotech transport retail i mean you you name it but what we realized was when we were designing technology i mean we could make it as user friendly as possible there was always a need let's say for people to get started with it mm-hmm. and that's when we said well maybe then we also need to design training materials around it and when people use it well, then they probably will need to rely on information. So I started mm-hmm. also at the same time doing things like what we call back then technical writing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like writing user manual. We had online helps, the kind <laughs> of words we're actually not using anymore today, but they were still fulfilling needs that people have sure. today. Right. So when I then jump a little bit forward, so now I work for J&J within their R&D quality organization. It is a group that oversees all activities in J&J related to clinical trials and medical safety. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So I have there the role of a director of innovation. It's a bit in my remit to innovate in the quality sphere. And in that sense, I'm a bit atypical. Yeah? Both yeah. In, I would say both in my background and both in my role. Because, I mean, most people, Bob, um, have really a die-hard scientific background. Mm. Um, like I used to talk to IT people, I now talk to pharmacists or people with an MD. So there is wow. also, let's say, that kind of translation that needs to happen. Quality is usually not known as the area for most innovation. Yeah. At the same time, that's why it's so much needed. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so important that there are people with a very different mindset like me. Maybe to, to add a little bit the, the background, I also have, um, since a couple of years, I call it a side hustle at a, at a University of Applied Sciences in, in Ghent. So once, mm-hmm. once uh, a week, I actually uh, teach design thinking mm-hmm. for bachelor's students. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful, actually, for that opportunity because it allows me a little bit to share a bit of my experience with young people, sure. but also to feel, let's say, connected with, let's say younger generations yeah yeah so it's yeah. very very inspiring to be I able bet. to do that wow great work 
Yeah, I tell you, I appreciate how you stepped into this because, uh, you know, in my early days of e-learning, the whole user experience thing wasn't even a brand or a discipline. And I think because it wasn't, there was a, there's a lot of misses in some of that early work. So I, I so appreciate you, you having that background. So Workflow Learning Friend, how did that pull into the journey? How did that pull into your story in support of that and, and the work you're asked to do there? I mean, I need to tell you a little bit about the importance of training within a, a regulated industry. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we operate under a quality management system. We have procedures. We need to document our procedures, our ways of working in, in SOPs, the standard operating procedures of, yeah. of how we work for yeah. anything that is regulated, anything, let's say, that it has an impact, in my case, on patient safety, oh, um, yeah. data integrity, product quality. You need to document that. Then you need to be able to demonstrate that people are qualified to do the mm -hmm. job. And the way that it is typically done is by providing training. Now, we also sometimes refer to this as compliance training. And I'm going to shamelessly explain that this, that this is kind of a misnomer. Yeah? yeah. And yes, it is compliance training. But the way people very often think about compliance training is like the anti-fraud or bribery training. <laughs> or they think about the diversity training or unconscious bias, yeah? Like three or five trainings. Now, a typical operational role in our case may need to follow the 100 procedures. Mm. So they need to be trained 100 times. <laughs> and there needs to be evidence for that. So, sure. so the, the things that work for a single compliance training don't work if you need to take as part of your onboarding 100. Wow, yeah. yeah? And then... The, the thing is that very often we train and then the time between actually when they were trained and the moment that they start to apply it, practice it, takes a whole lot of time. There yeah. may even be very rare cases. For instance, in a clinical trial, what you rather do not want to see is a pregnancy. From time to time, a pregnancy could occur. Sure. Or, or there could be even something where you need to react very quickly, like a serious adverse event, yeah, impacting yeah. patient's life. At that time, then you need to be able to very quickly pull the information that you need at your fingertips. So the way I got into the workflow learning discipline was the realization that, yes, the moment of new is important for us to have evidence towards our health authority inspectors. But what really matters are the moments of applied change and, and the troubleshooting that you need to do when you get stuck. I mean, yeah. those are the moments that really matter. Erwin, you know, I got to tell you, I actually love this dialogue because you break the mold and you and the myth that we hear all the time in this discipline. We go to hospitals here in the States. We go to um, legal areas. We go to government. We go to banks. Oh, no, 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 no. Regulate, regulate, regulate. Regulatory, da, 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 da. 80% of our offerings are compliance training, swamps our ship. And so therefore, this workflow learning thing doesn't work here. They don't even say we can't do it. They literally say it doesn't work here, meaning they don't even see like it would help people. You know, yeah. and, and you clearly show, and the essence of compliance is at the beginning of the journey, because you got to check the box. You know, I get that. Yeah. But to your point, if they can't remember or apply, the discipline of compliance is, is shot frankly, yeah. because they can't do it. So I so yeah. appreciate that perspective yeah. 
and you're and you're proving that it, it's worth the work, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think what we also figured out already before I learned about the five moments of need methodology is the importance of risk. Yeah. Yeah. Because wow. when when you talk in five moments of need about let's say the the criticality of certain tasks, that's where we were referring at risk. What is the sure. impact of a certain activity that it could go wrong and what is the impact when it goes wrong? Yeah. So yeah. having a very profound understanding of what are those risks towards patient safety in our case, as an example, I mean, that is guiding us towards what you should be training on and where it is safe to not to train. Yeah. Yeah. And to work yeah. with a digital coach or whatever you want. Brilliant. So many people need to hear this. So, so friend, challenges, right? Successes. I'm sure you've come up against so, some. So, where would you go with that? Well, we did launch our digital coach. Now, for all activities in clinical R&D, it, it was a tremendous success. I mean, mm -hmm. it was very clear that we hit something. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Um, actually, prior to that, we had all of our standard operating procedures as part of a, a business process modeling tool. And, and BPM tools are very good in, guess what, in BPM, yeah? <laughs> but not necessarily in providing end-user support. So yeah. we brought all of the processes into this digital coach. And what we're now working in is bringing all of the knowledge information, the job aid, sort of the... The, let's say the more lower level, but actually this is the stuff that people need. Yeah. yeah? Because <laughs> the, the procedure tells them typically like the five why, who needs to do what, where and what, uh, and why. What they are really seeking, that is the how. Yeah. And that is, in our case, it is it was scattered across SharePoints and OneNotes and team sites. And I still discover every week at least a location where I think, well, how the heck does it happen, yeah, that people created this? And don't get me wrong, I strongly believe that all of this is created with good intentions. Yeah, Of course. Of people want to help one another. Absolutely. But if you do it in a disconnected way, and I must say, great learning. I started much longer ago with an initiative and we more framed it like knowledge management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, An another sure. another coined term, as you know. <laughs> yeah. What the learning was there is that we started there sort of bottom up with the knowledge documents. But we learned that we had to do it the other way around. We had to build the overall process framework, then relate the standard operating procedures to it, and then sort of underneath it built the how information because yep. the different moments of need they appeal to different needs of the users and sure. in some cases they need that very detailed how do i information mm -hmm. but similarly in a complex organization we got just in clinical trials we have hundreds of roles yeah we're trying to simplify that that means that it doesn't only matter what i do and how i'm doing it it yeah. also means that I need to know who am I dependent on, yeah, mm -hmm. and what is going to happen by someone else mm -hmm. with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of important to have, 
let's say, to have a sort of an understanding that you're not operating in in isolation. So if you present your information like a matrix, you need to be able to go up and down, but you're equally important, you need to be able to go left and right to see where you are fitting in into a complex operational process. That last point is so missed in this discipline. Even when we talk about workflow analysis, Mm -hmm. we find that we speak in too many generalities and then the roles start coming into play and we sometimes struggle with complexity. I love where you're going and how many you have, but the complexity we've seen, as soon as that starts to build up, they're like, oh, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Can't do this. Can't go deeper. And only because they just say it just feels too complex. They don't go into the analysis and have that start to unravel some of that complexity. And that dependency is so important to understand mm-hmm. and often is what breaks the process, right? How far into that has workflow learning penetrated? Is it sort of like an adopted discipline across a bunch of those? Are you in certain areas? I'm just trying to understand the landscape. You know, where, what's your feeling around that? And that kind of even relates to the next question, which is, I think to do this well, and a lot of people who have been allowed to and gotten where I think you are, is because they're seen differently in the enterprise than L&D. You know, they're not the training department. You know, there's this, there seems to be this change in mindset and role, not maybe even by title, but have you found that to be the case? Or has that been what's made you successful? Or is that knowing who you are, maybe that's how you, how you just do things? Well, first of all, referring to L&D, this is typically a problem that L&D cannot solve with the tools and methodologies that they have, yeah? And as such, it's also not for me an an issue, as long as we acknowledge who is going to own which kind of problem. I mean, just like in the example of the anti-fraud, the suggestion could be to have an interactive video. Great, but no one wants to watch 100 interactive videos, (laughs) Yeah. yeah? You need to find a way to get people towards execution. I think why we are successful and why we have advanced on this journey is I think we are exceptional Mm -hmm. within even within our company Mm. because all of our procedures were already documented Mm. as a business process model. And the importance of that is that what we do is that when we update, when there is a need to update a way of working, for instance, because there was an audit observation, or there is a new product modality, or there is a new regulation, the first thing that we will do is we will update the business process. Mm. And then from there, we will create the standard operating procedure, the documents for the inspector that comes to inspect us how we operate. But at the same time, it also drives the digital coach that now our people are accessing today. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that foundation, you are maintaining those two things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we say that's the road that we do not want to take. Yeah. yeah. So and, and that's basically the message that I have been giving. If you w- want to go, let's say, along this journey. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be very rewarding. But if you don't find a way to manage the foundation upon which you are building all of your how do I information, yep. you're going to make it yourself very difficult yeah? because you still I mean, in this industry, no matter what, you still need to demonstrate that you have documented your way of working where, where we also have, for instance, 
epic discussions on is in the level of documentation that we want to have because some of the things that we want is this is how people must operate Mm -hmm. because they correlate with the regulation or with something else sure and then at at the complete opposite end there is sort of this could be a useful thing for you to do yeah (laughs) and then somewhere in between there is it's maybe not required to do it like that but we found out it was the most efficient way so that it's highly recommended yeah yeah (laughs) we're we're sort of moving up and down between those restrictions and I, I think it's sometimes challenging to find a way towards okay what do we now consider to be part of our quality management system which right. becomes inspectable and what it is that we are using to train people and to and to allow them to actually execute their daily execute. job yeah. But not starting from the foundation in our industry, I mean, you're going to duplicate a lot of work. Yeah. But what I love about where you've gone with this is that I think it's that performance first process mentality that you've started with. Many start SOP and they hope that flows up into a workflow or into the job processes. And my experience has been that that's hard. You get mired in that and there's a disconnect between reality and hope, (laughs) you know, or regulatory stuff. It feels to me because of your process change, your, I love your wording, how do people do the work? That then should feed that. But I think your success is in the, the direction in which you take it and the mindset in which you start. I also must say, Bob, that now we see also the opposite direction. Yeah. Mm. Is where we see how five moments of need slowly but steadily is starting to impact the way we write our procedures. Mm. And that becomes now very interesting because because all of a sudden we realize that it's also in our intent to not just write procedures and processes that can be inspectable, but that can also be easily executionable by the people that need to follow them. Yeah. Yeah. And so so some of the five moments of need principles, I mean, we we had so many conversations also with Con uh, 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 (laughs) about this. Yeah. 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 Um, But this is that's where the two started to influence each other. Yeah. I love that. And and for me, it continues to go back to what I said very earlier. Yeah. What is the user experience that we are creating for people? If we if we give people to say, hey, hey. Here is a bunch of hundred um, uh, standard operating procedures. Read them and sign off. We started to zoom out recently from training to mm. qualification. What we want to ensure is that our people are at all times qualified for the tasks that they are supposed to do. I love okay? that. And there may be different ways to qualify them. We can qualify them standard through training. We can mm-hmm. qualify them maybe through experience, but here comes the workflow learning piece back in. Maybe it is sufficient that when I'm doing something, the system tells me, hey, Erwin, did you remember that we recently made a change to this process? Yeah. Not a large change, yeah? Something yeah. small, but uh, it would be good for you to remind. Or that the system may tell me, well, you're now doing task X, Y, Z, and something critically changed. We first want you to 
to acknowledge the change in this three mini minutes mm -hmm. micro learning video thing whatever that is part of sure. the digital coach before you continue so gonna try now to build upon something that uh, you guys did i think you've been foundational in defining moments of need mm -hmm. yeah what we are realizing is that we need to correlate moments of need with points of use i love that and what i mean with that is that we need to bring the workflow learning not just in the digital coach we need to bring it to where people are doing the job yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> but the technology that is out there today is not helping us so we got on the one hand we got these standalone digital job coaches on the other hand we have the so-called digital adoption platforms yeah, yeah but in yeah. my opinion there is not a single one that does it all yeah 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 so i'm, I'm sharing some of our emerging thinking now yeah yeah because that. what we want to do is that whatever that we put in the digital coach, we, we need to bring it to the points of use of our end users. If the point of use is a system, then that's where the support needs to be available. If the point of use would just be a form that they printed, somehow the support should also be available there. I don't know how through an annex or to a QR code or whatever, yeah? Yeah, but, yeah. But regardless of where people are, we need to find a way at the point of use or at the point of apply, we may even say, mm. to, to get the information that they need. And that may be a pull and, and the push combination. Yep. It may be when they need it, but yep. it may also be in our context, we now need you to inform you that you need to know this. Yeah, Erwin, you know, my gosh. So I'm an L&D professional, I, okay. I would challenge any R&D professional who's in this for the reason I think you and I agree they should be in doing this, to listen to this dialogue and not go, I have to be doing this. I have to take what Erwin's saying seriously. It has to become front and center in my efforts with my team. This is such an inspiring conversation for me. So much of L&D first has no clue. Yeah. Secondly, when they when they hear it, they're like, oh, my God, that sounds hard. Wait, 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 wait. Is this challenging Addy? Or I have 500 e-learning libraries. Or, wait, wait, wait. Those are bad? Or, I mean, Erwin, I have heard it all, and it frustrates me. Yeah. Why do you think L&D struggles with this? I love where you went. Let's qualify. Anyone who's in this business, in my opinion, is a, is a rock star. Right, that there are so many are in it for the right reason. They have great intentions. So I'm not challenging that. I'm really not. It's the these stories get me up in the morning because this is why I think we do what we do, and this is so empowering to me and positions L and D so differently. Why do you feel there's this weird disconnect? It's it's hard for me to say why, but I mm -hmm. can only tell you that whatever I do, I need to demonstrate hard business value dollars yes yeah cost avoidance even better efficiencies yeah. what is the cycle time that uh, of how we're doing things what's the hands-on time and how can we reduce either uh, or, or even both that is what drives us yeah and maybe an lnd function doesn't feel that drive that much mm. you see mm. Of course, we want to talk and we want to value people development. But what are we developing people for? Are we <laughs> developing people 
because we feel that they will get a richer life from it? Or are we developing them because our business has certain needs that yeah. we need to accommodate? Yeah. 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 So, and again, that, that is still an area I think where, where we can make progress. I think in the, for instance, in the way that we onboard training, mm -hmm. we need to find a way to actually stitch all of the components together because there's still not all of them connected. And when I talk about all of the components, there is, let's say the, the process component. Yeah. How you do yeah. things. There is a system component. Yeah. What, what's the technology that you are using in our case? And, and that's of course specific. I mean, the way you do a clinical trial depends from trial to trial. The product may be different. Sure. I mean, the, the protocol sure. is different. So the context is different in which you're doing the job. Yeah. So yeah, you got two people working on two different clinical trials, doing the same job and still doing something very different. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. I think the last component, and that is we should not look at skills independently from the job that people are doing. It needs to be correlated with the hard activities that they need to perform. And so that's why maybe we need to get rid here of the term soft skills. Let's call it all skills. Yeah, mm -hmm. because each of these skills should have a purpose. I'm not sending you to a course on communication skills because I want you to, to better communicate to your friends or your wife or whomever. Yeah, right. I'm sending you because you need to talk better to the to the doctor in the hospital that you're working with and because it's important that you work with a, that you learn how to work with someone with a medical degree yeah and you still want them to, to, to do the stuff that we want them to do as part of our clinical trial that's why we're sending you to a course in communication skills you know your, your ability to articulate something i've struggled with and that is the correlation of listening skills conflict management empathy all these things we throw around and i get it but what you're saying is so eloquently is that soft hard raw professional i've heard all these words attached to it a skill helps application and performance and to your point unless i know the communication context in which I would use that skill or the, or the context in which I would push this button or the context in which I would, it's moot, right? Yeah. So you, you also know is you have those well-known libraries of skills training yeah. where some kind of expert in this particular skill will tell you in generic terms, yeah, yeah. how to practice the skill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't mind if people watch videos for three hours, yeah where someone elaborates on a particular skill, but if it is not connected to context and practice, the time will be wasted. Brilliant. Yeah. So we need, to, if we're providing skills training, I mean, absolutely in favor of competency and, and skills development, don't, don't get me wrong, but it needs to be rooted into yeah. either the practice of people or as part of their development journey. Yeah. Brilliant. So when I'm talking about a development journey, it could be that we are already preparing someone for a next job. But also that requires either certain education, either certain exposure to things, either certain experience in order to be prepared to, to take that next job in their career. Okay. So 
let's put a bow around this, my friend, because you clearly, in my opinion, are you're, you totally get it. And you're a practitioner and you worked hard at it. You studied it. You've applied it. You're running at impact. I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I just bought one of those libraries, Erwin, <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's what I've always done. And uh, my Ivy group just finished a series of six week long courses and I'm listening to this going, oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm a mountain away from this. I really do want to go there because, holy cow, this has opened my eyes to, to really some remarkable things. What would you say is the crawl, walk, run here? How do I begin to say, OK, look, I really want to take that first step. I really do. I, I want to be you someday. And in your role and the impact you're having, where do I start? I think where it always starts is that um, for me is that to to have an understanding actually of what's the problem that you're trying to resolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you go to a, a cardiologist with a heart problem, he'll get to you with something with a solution related to your heart. Yeah. yeah? Right. But if that was not the right, if you had, for instance, if you had heart pain, but if it was actually emotional pain that you had at your heart, the cardiologist Mm -hmm. cannot resolve it. You had to go to somewhere, someone else. So the first thing that you need to do is that you need to frame the problem in the right way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we're framing the problem as a training problem, you will come up with training solutions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why. If you frame the problem as a qualification problem, you will get up with qualification solutions. So where someone needs to start is to very well understand what what is the problem that a certain business is having and and to really ask them themselves, well, in what sense can learning, workflow learning, training actually be part of the solution of that business problem? If you would put me tomorrow from a big pharma company into a small biotech, yeah, mm-hmm. I should not be taking all of the practices of the big pharma and translating them into the biotech. Yeah, I should right. first look at the context, the stakeholders, first try to understand where they are, what are the problems they are trying to resolve, and yeah. then I should be designing the solutions. Yeah. So, and then I go again back to what I first said. Part of the problems are, What are the typical needs of the people that need to do the job? Mm. What is it that they are lacking in order to execute their day-to-day responsibilities? Mm. And then only then I think that we can start to step-by-step to think about what could be an approach and potentially technology that you could help. But there is no one, I think, that can get this right from the first time. Yeah. Um, if you're not going to do this in an iterative or in an agile way, you're not going to be set up for success, which is sometimes hard yeah. to convince senior leaders Yeah. that, that, that no, we're not going to do a full-blown project. We're first going to do, I don't know, proof of concept. We're going to do a pilot. We're going to build minimum viable product, whatever. Yeah. 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 But we do it in a step-by-step way so that every time we learn ourselves yeah of what works and what doesn't and what people need and then we adapt and that's the way we should be scaling this exactly because there is not a i mean you guys you created a wonderful methodology 
But the way how you're going to apply that methodology, it's not like like a cookbook recipe. Right. Yeah. Right. You, just, you will need to adapt it. Adapt. Yeah. Literally <laughs> to each and every context, each and every situation. I mean, it gives you clues and it, it may give you, let's say, larger steps of how to do something, but it doesn't give you the re- you will need to create the recipes yourself. Yeah. And maybe what works today that will not work tomorrow. My friend, wow. I've admired you for your career, but boy, today you've gone up a notch. Your ability to articulate and the way you've thought through this and the work you've done is really inspiring, friend, really. And maybe we've been, uh, let's say, t- for too long, let's say, in our little corner of the world d- doing this. And, and that's maybe where I need to do an appeal to you, Bob. How can we give wider visibility so i'm with you i'm seeing actually this only maybe as a first step to yep. find a way to, in this specific field because i i would want to connect also with people who actually understand this mm-hmm. yeah? and people who need this agreed agreed and then frankly those are sometimes two different people because of where they are in their journey right the people who need it are still learning and educating awareness and fighting those yeah. early battles and mindset. Those that are, are where you are, are they have a different conversation. They have the ability to have a very different conversation and, and therefore they need to support each other in a very different way because yeah. Aaron, thank you so much, friend. This has really been stunning. Well, that's it for this episode of the five moments of need performance matter series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at B-M-O-S-H, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.